0: Analytics with Mike Lewis,
1: the podcast where we talk about
0: everything you need to know about sports analytics. Here's your host, Mike Lewis, marketing professor at Emory University. Okay, welcome everyone. Welcome to the Fanalytics Podcast with Mike Lewis and Doug Battle this week. Doug. Well, we're taping on January 31st, so we are at the beginning of Super Bowl. Hype, right? And mm-hmm. the NFL, as always, never fails to disappoint. Coming out of this weekend, we've got, like, we had Ben Roethlisberger retire last week. And boy, talk about getting, uh, you know, a Hall of Fame career quickly getting pushed off the front page as <laughs> Tom Brady. And maybe you know something I don't know, might have retired. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's it's been reported that he's retiring, and yet there's yet to be a statement released. There's speculation that there's some financial incentive to wait uh, to announce that. But it's also Tom Brady, and everyone feels like, wait, what if he comes back and and decides to win another Super Bowl? It seems like he's still capable of it. So we'll find out, I guess, in the next week or so what what the real story is of Tom Brady. let
0: Let me throw one more in, and then we can spend some time with these. We also have a clear winner of the NFL playoffs so far. And it's not a team. It's an individual. Joe. And his name is, I think, JB9 in diamonds <laughs> at this point. Yeah,
1: they're real diamonds, by the way. Yes. Uh, he did clarify that he has enough money for real diamonds in his presser. But yes, Joe Burrow has been the story of the NFL. I personally, you know, I talked about it last week, how he's such an interesting figure because all of his opponents in college are now fans of his, uh, not often the case in the sec with, with rivals, but Joe Burrow is a guy It's hard not to pull for him. He's so cool. He's so calm and collected and seeing him the year after tearing his ACL and two years after being the number one pick to a, I think a four win T two win team. I don't know. A terrible Cincinnati Bengals team, a team that
0: qualified to... for the number one draft pick, right?
1: Right. Exactly. Ex- yeah. Um, to the Super Bowl. I mean, I I in college I thought he was uh the greatest ever that would probably become forgotten in the NFL like we've seen with Andrew Luck and even Matthew Stafford early in his career where these guys play for such dismal franchises that you never get to see them compete for the big one. But here we are in year year 2 uh coming off an ACL already in it. With a terrible offensive line, from what I've seen, uh, hasn't been the best play calling, in my opinion, when I've watched his team. But uh, pretty solid defense and great quarterback play and a little bit of good luck. Um, and the Cincinnati Bengals are in the Super Bowl with a chance for Joe Burrow to start the conversation really early about his place in NFL history, uh, where he ranks amongst NFL quarterbacks.
0: Okay, but let's, let's talk about the marketing side of this, or the Joe Burrow brand. Because Doug, I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit mystified by what's happening in inside my head. Because I'm a, I grew up a Pittsburgh Steeler fan, and you know, so the Bengals are the bungles. They're not, they're not even worthy of being a hated rival, right? They're right. they're kind of this laughingstock team. I think, I think right now, I'm rooting for the Bengals against anyone.
1: Well, it's crazy, but you know the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, they have, I think, three guys that played at the University of Georgia and a coach that played at the University of Georgia. And all my Georgia buddies—I mean, I'm talking people that were on Spike Squad—are are talking amongst themselves and and it's like, is it bad if I pull for the Bengals? Like, it's hard not to pull for the Bengals, even though we have these—you know, these these people have ties to uh, to the Los Angeles players, but. Uh, what an underdog story. Um, and there's something about witnessing greatness. I think my generation, we didn't, we didn't grow up watching Michael Jordan. We grew up watching Kobe. That was the closest thing we had, but everybody wants to witness the greatest kind of come into their own. And with Joe Burrow, there's this sense of like, could this be it? Could, could he be the guy?
0: Yeah. But I think we can't underestimate the immense likability of this kid. that, yeah you know those rose colored sunglasses
1: which i want to get some of those i you know i feel like that's the kind of thing he's gonna make that a thing i saw it and i was like i think i gotta get i think i need to buy some
0: i think he could and then a jeweled (laughs) jb9 necklace but i think what and again i'm still trying to wrap my head around it and i i keep coming back he's He's got such a, and again, you know, these jokes about he's like Macaulay Culkin combined with Conor McGregor in terms of the swagger. But he's when he gets called on this kind of silliness of the sunglasses and the and the jewel and wearing the wearing his initials around his neck, his laughter and sort of making fun of himself. He's got he's got swagger, authenticity, and likability pegged he is he's, going he's, to be a marketing machine and like you said like I, what you're saying taking the bingles from worst to first in two years yeah i think we're going to start to hear a lot of uh you know a, a lot of hype for related to joe burrow
1: yeah so two things on joe burrow first off i saw that he No quarterback has ever won a Super Bowl as well as a Heisman and a national championship. Joe Burrow has the opportunity to do that. All three of those in three years. Um, So pretty impressive early resume for a young quarterback. Uh, But also, something about Joe Burrow that's interesting to me is usually the cocky guy is hated, especially by his rivals. The cocky athlete. Uh, Joe Burrow is about as cocky as they come as far as his swagger, the way he carries himself, and yet everyone seems to like the guy. I feel like, I, I don't know, but I feel like Rams fans are pulling for the Rams. I don't feel like they're necessarily hating Joe Burrow. or yeah, you know, It's not like a Trey Young's balding thing where or, or they're disrespecting him. I think everyone kind of has this respect for Joe Burrow. I saw a reporter uh, by the name of Taylor Rooks tweet out, Joe Burrow told me if he went into an NBA game, he could get at least 12 to 15 <laughs> points with a straight face. And I knew he was going to be great because that is just irrational confidence.
0: <laughs> that's a great quote. And that is, that's, I, I got no response to that.
1: <laughs> irrational confidence sums it up. But, it, you know, Joe Burrow's got the kind of confidence I think everyone that's played sports knows that guy who's so confident that he kind of, Outperforms his own limitations. Oh, um, and Doug Joe Orgeron, Burrow. Let me ask you
0: this: Is the cockiness of the kicker on the Bengals <laughs> a product of the aura that Joe Burrow is putting out there? I think it's a big part of it.
1: Yeah, I think there's a leadership that he he carries and it it spreads across his team. You look back to that LSU team; Ed Orgeron was a failure of a coach prior to and after Joe Burrow's arrival and playing time at LSU. The Joe Burrow-led team, and granted, there was a lot of NFL talent on that team. That team was thought of as the most swaggerful football team we'd seen since Miami and in the Ray Lewis days. Um, Joe Burrow had these receivers dancing in the end zone. Even the linemen carried themselves with a sense of swagger. The defense wasn't even good. And they walked around like they were the the best things in sliced bread. Uh Joe Burrow has that effect on his teammates, I think. I love to see the kicker do that. I, I like this new era of the alpha kicker. I'm all for it.
0: Yeah. And let's just say this. You know, the marketing companies out there, the brand companies out there, lock up Joe Burrow. I mean, he is yeah he you know people always want to talk about generational talents and it's it's always overused right there's there's like six generational talents at every position it's like you don't know what that (laughs) in every draft class (laughs) right but yeah joe burrow may be a generational marketing talent and all this
1: i agree i agree about that and like i said i think on the field i don't think he's physically a generational talent relative to the next i mean much like tom brady isn't um, I think he's a better athlete than Tom Brady, but you know Patrick Mahomes is is much more of a generational talent. But the the generational likability of Joe Burrow is almost unprecedented. I can't think of. I mean, I know a lot of people that Mahomes kind of rubs the wrong way. I know LeBron James certainly does, and these guys are in every other commercial. It seems Joe Burrow's got to be. I mean, like you said, they they've got to lock him up with all kinds of deals because I don't I don't know a single person that doesn't kind of that wouldn't see him wearing some. Some rose-colored glasses, and maybe want to buy some of their own.
0: Well, and, and look, this is a little off topic. Well, no, we've done a podcast on the Mandalorian. This is totally on topic. Yeah. You know, when I think about the State Farm ads, and I, I come, you know, Aaron Rodgers is also Aaron Rodgers has some charisma. I mean, he's great yeah. in those. He's also one of the most hated men in the NFL, right?
1: All yeah. sports, and yeah. Patrick
0: Mahomes may be a generational physical talent. He is not a great actor, you know. Right. Rogers' Rogers' mannerism—kind of cringy. It's kind of cringy. It's, awesome. kind, of cringy. it's yeah. kind of cringy, right? The the sneaker had one, or the, the <laughs> when Ro- yeah. the axe throwing one, where Rogers is like, you know, has a bad throw and just like nailed it, kind of thing. But like I said, someone's got to put Burrow in an ad, right? Right after yeah. the Super Bowl.
1: So thinking back, the only other football player I can think with the universal appeal. The only basketball player I can think of is Michael Jordan. The only football player I can think of with that kind of appeal is Peyton Manning. And as we all remember, Peyton Manning seemed to be in every commercial for the bulk of his NFL career. Um, still a very likable guy and still profiting from that. So I, I would not be shocked to see Joe Burrow. You know, it, it, I wouldn't be shocked to see Joe Burrow in a Super Bowl commercial of his own Super Bowl. That'd be probably about the most Joe Burrow thing.
0: You know, Jordan's probably a great comparison. And I hadn't thought about that till you said it. But Jordan had Jordan had something where at the time his smile, he was viewed as he was universally loved. Maybe not in Detroit, not by Isaiah Thomas, but <laughs> right. universally loved. And it's funny right now that we've seen the the last dance and we realized that Jordan was a borderline psycho on the court in terms of making <laughs> up stories and lies and creating villains. And right. that, that, Jordan swag. He may, you know, he may. Joe Burrow might be the greatest thing sports marketing since Michael Jordan.
1: Yeah, and we'll have to see. But man, winning a Super Bowl at this point in his career for the Bengals—I I mean, I don't know. I don't know if you could get any higher than that as far as starting your career out, um, particularly coming off an injury and, and the situations that Joe Burrow has been in. But I got to say, the Super Bowl. It's an interesting one. I know we always talk about how the NFL just can't seem to lose. If it had been Tom Brady versus Joe Burrow, it would have felt like the passing of the torch potentially. If it had been Aaron Rodgers versus Patrick Mahomes, it would have felt like or or Tom Brady versus Patrick Mahomes or what, you know, the storylines kind of write themselves no matter what happens. This situation, Matt Stafford and the Rams are kind of a small fish in a big pond uh in Los Angeles, it seems. And Cincinnati, you know, Joe Burrow and, and the Cincinnati Bengals feel like a big fish in a small pond. Um, probably not the two teams the NFL would want.
0: No, I mean, ratings may be off for this one.
1: Yeah, it's not Cowboys versus, I we, don't know who it is. We
0: watch this pretty closely. I'm not sure that the public has caught up to us on you know, root, on being Bengals fans. Uh, you know, I'm 100% <laughs> rooting for the Bengals. Uh, the, the Rams, <laughs> right. but you know... In, in under the the framework of the NFL always wins. The NFL has always needed a strong brand in the LA area in the LA region, and they've never had it. I don't yeah. think the Rams have done Rams have done particularly well in terms of creating fans since they've they've been there. Going to the Super Bowl is and it's as good as it gets. Uh, I think yeah. the Rams are a four point favorite. Uh, I'm not betting against Joe Burrow, though.
1: Yeah, and you know they get the halftime show that's L.A. themed. I mean, it's a great opportunity for the NFL to really cement itself in Los Angeles. But nevertheless, these are not two of the biggest fan bases. I know the fans of of each team are passionate about their guys, but uh, traditionally speaking, and I think if we looked at your your rankings that you do every year, Mike, that uh, this would probably not be the most favorable. Matchup for the this isn't Lakers Celtics NBA Finals. Uh, Bengals Rams feels a little bit strange. It feels like a simulation in Madden, and you get to the end of the season, and it feels like okay, this one it actually happened in the real world. There's no way the sports gods would allow two teams like that, two teams with those uniforms, if nothing else. Yeah,
0: yeah. Doug, here's a question for you. What is sulfite? <laughs>
1: They are gonna have a lot of Google searches in the next couple of weeks <laughs> asking that question. Some kind of decentralized finance. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I mean I, I looked it up and it is something like that. It's one of the one of the stranger backstories on this Super Bowl, right? Where the Super Bowl's like the Super Bowl's half about marketing. It's about culture, it's about sports. And in some ways it can't get any better when you have your home team playing in your stadium but for the life of me i don't know what sofi is i don't know who uses sofi like i said i had to look it up you know you gotta you know in terms of the marketing if you're gonna put all that out there to get name sofi has huge name awareness right now right it's not clear to me that anyone knows what it's for
1: (laughs) yeah i've been to sofi stadium still don't know what it's for so can you explain
0: uh... what can you explain what it's like? Because it's a very strange profile.
1: Okay. Yes. First off, it looks like some kind of alien ship from the outside. I don't know how to, like a spaceship, spacecraft, space center kind of thing on the outside. Very futuristic looking. Um, I guess the term that people would use is modern as far as the the architecture, but I would consider it futuristic. Um the inside is phenomenal because, unlike the Cowboys Stadium, for example, there's not like this huge screen that distracts you from the field or whatever's going on. If it's a concert, the stage um, it's kind of like traditional up there, but the rest of the stadium is so glitzy, brand new. Obviously, the thing that's unique about it is it's actually it's indoors, um, but it's also outdoors, and I don't mean that there's a retractable roof because there's not, but the sides are like open, and so there's this breeze in the building you feel like you're at the beach in in california um and it you know it's pretty it's not close to the beach but it captures some some outdoor air i guess that kind of funnels through the building and, and creates this uh really nice climate inside it feels really really nice so you and, like uh, you like the building yeah, I like it a lot. I I probably like it more than like the other new stadium I've been to is the Mercedes-Benz Stadium in uh in Atlanta. And I probably like it more. Um there's a lot of tiers in there. It's not your traditional like three-tier stadium. It's it's got just like layers and layers and boxes everywhere. Um but you know, for a football game, it still feels like it feels like going to a game in in Las Vegas to the degree that it feels like tourists go to kind of see the stadium and it's like going to a movie or something. It's not the fan base in Los Angeles. There there are some hardcore lifelong fans that were fans back when they were in Los Angeles originally. But you know, Los Angeles is first off it's as much championships as that city brings. It's not a sports town. There's other thing, you know, sports is not first in the pecking order when it comes to film and music and everything else. Secondly, um
0: well you know what let's let me let me drill down on that a little right what is the i mean when i do the rankings the lakers off the charts in terms of the nba always the number Mm -hmm. one fan base when i do baseball the dodgers are always a top five team but football you know football's always struggled in la right i mean the rams left look when you think when i think about the rams I think about a team that really doesn't have much of a home, right? L.A., yeah. St. Louis, back to L.A., always playing in different buildings. Um, the the fact that, you know, the, the Raiders dropped in there for a second, so maybe that was L.A.'s team. The fact right. that the, you know, the, the Chargers have come up there now, it's, you know, it's, it's tough to say, well, what's L.A.'s football team? So how do you think, the, well, I mean, maybe you can even talk about both of them. How does L.A. view the Chargers and the Rams at this point?
1: I think that it's a little bit of a Lakers-Clippers situation where the Rams are the dominant kind of primary fan base. Is that just because the Char- they're
0: winning right now? Or is-
1: yeah, I think it's because they're better, but I also think it's a long-term you know, perspective of the brand. The Rams have been in Los Angeles before. They've been in a lot of Super Bowls, over the, even when they were in St. Louis with Kurt Warner. And they've got this history. Eric Dickerson, you think of all these, these great players over the years. The Chargers being in San Diego, which is not as big of a market. And there's not a ton of, uh, I don't know, there's not a ton of overlap between San Diego. People think, oh, they're both in Southern California. I mean, it's like the difference in being in Florida and, and being in North Carolina or something. Um, there's not a ton of overlap between San Diego and, and Los Angeles as far as the fan base is concerned. So I think both of them were kind of starting from scratch. The Rams had a little bit of a leg up. They've got worse uniforms, but they've got better history and they've got a better football team right okay, now.
0: Okay, so let's talk about history on that. Cuz what you said is interesting to me in terms of you know, my perceptions of all of it. And look, I could be I could be off. The who's the who's the all-time great Ram in your mind? Who's like the stand uh, like the the one jersey you're going to have? Is it Kurt Warner?
1: I think it's Dickerson.
0: It's Dickerson? Okay, I agree with that. Yeah. yeah.
1: Uh, but, Warner, I mean, in my opinion, it should be Warner. I think he's one of the great stories in sports history. But, but I don't, Dickerson's kind of like the the Michael Jordan, you know, the Larry Bird jersey that you see, the the legendary status. It's so old that nobody really knows or, or has watched him, but it seems like he was probably pretty good.
0: That's, that's, that's funny. But, you know, because you yes, asked me, Rams running back my age, says Lauren McCutcheon. Um,
1: I mean, I'm thinking, and I see a lot of Todd Gurley uh, maybe because I'm a Georgia guy and I just notice it more. But if people forget. I mean, he was offensive MVP five or five to ten years ago. Not, I mean, not too long ago. That had uh, when to be they were the, in St. Louis, the
0: biggest selling jersey for a couple of years out there. But right here, here's my question to you, and we're kind of we're kind of wandering in the weeds this week. But I don't connect Kurt Warner. To the L.A. Rams at all?
1: I know it's weird. I, I yeah, that is a great point. To even Todd Gurley, I think he played a year in L.A. or a year or two. Uh, Kurt Warner was a St. Louis guy. I mean, the different colors. I know that it's the same kind of general concept, but the you know, but they were gold and navy. Now they're like this electric blue and bright yellow. Um, different colors, different. You know that. That Saint, those Saint Louis teams that played the Patriots in the Super Bowl, I don't associate them with the Los Angeles Rams at all. I bet you, if you go to a Los, Angeles, I bet you if you go to the Super Bowl, you won't see a single Kurt Warner jersey. You'll see some Eric Dickerson, you'll see some Todd Gurley. I don't think you'll see uh, Kurt Warner jerseys all over the crowd like you would for you know anybody else who's been Super Bowl MVP for a franchise.
0: I don't think so either. Okay, switching gears a little bit and this issue of whether or not Kurt Warner is part of the LA Rams history of greatness legends. One place where I think the most revisionist history has ever happened in terms of a sports fan base is Michigan fans all wearing Tom Brady jerseys. <laughs> it's, right? Ridiculous. Right? it's ridiculous. It's and- ridiculous. When, when, how much of Tom Brady's greatness happened at Michigan? When were Late six round draft pick, is that
1: right? Late six round, you know, if I'm not mistaken, he was pulled in his last game. I don't know that fans were uh, particularly excited about Brady by the time he was leaving. I think they're and now probably he's happy to see him great. <laughs> Yeah, and you know, it's almost as if it's almost as if Justin Fields were to become the, the greatest quarterback in NFL history, and everyone in Georgia starts wearing number one Fields jerseys to the games. It almost feels like that. I know it wasn't that big of a of a split uh, between Brady and Michigan. And there's probably a little bit more uh, of a a mutual liking of one another, but nevertheless, it feels odd to me. Okay.
0: Yeah. It feels odd to me too. In full disclosure, it's probably my most hated fan base. So there, this is a little bit of gratuitous Michigan fan. They can do nothing. Right. Bashing. Right. It's it's okay. All right. Um, Okay. But Doug, so the NFL narratives just fall out of the sky for these guys. It's why, you know, I think the narratives happen because the league is so dominant and the league is so dominant because they have this quarterback position, this kind of Superman on the field that generates so much interest, right? They've got a face to, and maybe this is a unique thing about, I have mean, hadn't thought this through, a unique thing about football that they have a face. And mm-hmm. so whatever happens to that face becomes kind of the storyline for it. So, Tom Brady, look, the, the NFL offseason is going to start in about two weeks here. I'm already eager. I mean, look, I'm big, obviously really looking forward to seeing the Bengals play in the Super Bowl. Don't really care who they're playing against, full disclosure again. But mm. the narratives start to form. Tom Brady is a great story. Is he retired? Is he not retired? Is he hanging around for a few more days to get a $15 million roster? bonus and then as soon as he makes that decision i suppose we can create two new stories of can someone talk tom into coming back next year and what is tampa bay going to do to replace tom brady
1: yeah i don't know that they can um but you're right i mean it's getting to that time of year where The NFL dominates the media, even when the season is over. It seems there have been years where the NFL offseason is a bigger deal than the NBA season or than college basketball or anything else that's the start of the MLB, spring training, all the rest. NFL has this dominant grip on the media. And, you know, as as somebody who's been critical of the NFL in the last couple of years, I mean, partially because my team hasn't been good, the Giants haven't been competitive. And I, I feel like, oh, the product's not as good. I don't like the, I don't like they've changed up the uniforms. I don't like this and that. Yeah, I know people that are, I don't like their political stances, blah, blah, blah. Um, guess who's been glued to their TV these last two weeks, watching the playoffs, watching these stories unfold with the quarterbacks. And guess who's going to be paying attention to every piece of information leading up to the Super Bowl and even after the Super Bowl the NFL just pulls me right back in. I think it does it to a lot of people, and, and these storylines are just undeniable.
0: Doug, let me ask you this. I, didn't, I can give you mine. Mine are probably to be any mystery to you. What do you think are the top two, three storylines are going to be in the offseason?
1: Buck, Buck's replacing Brady, uh, assuming he leaves. Aaron Rodgers has got to be number one, though.
0: Yeah, so what's Aaron Rodgers going to do? Is a great storyline. Is he going to retire?
1: Days, is he going to return? Is he going to leave? Go to the Broncos? Go somewhere where he can compete? Could he? What if he goes to Tampa? Right,
0: Aaron Rodgers. You know I mean? So you know, Aaron Rodgers, Pittsburgh Steelers, sort of a you know one of the elite jobs in the NFL that mm-hmm. you know was held by Ben Roethlisberger for I think 2004 to 21, so 17, 18 years. How do the? What do the Steelers do next? What do the Bucks do next? What do the Broncos do next? Uh, where is Aaron Rodgers going to fit into all of that?
1: And let's not forget the draft. The draft tends to uh, become one of the the dominant storylines every offseason, uh, as much as we like to talk about these current, current batch of players.
0: One of the interesting things about the draft to me this year is I don't... Last year's draft was an amazing storyline, right? right? Where we had the drama Lawrence. of Justin Fields. I don't know in sort of the jockeying up and down of the quarterback class. I think the pit quarterback is rated to go in as a top five or a top 10 pick. I don't know that there's a lot of hype around this year's quarterback class
1: though. Right. I'm looking at a mock draft right now that actually has the first quarterback being Desmond Ritter out of Cincinnati struggled in the uh, college football playoff and they have him going at number nine. So, I, you're right. It doesn't, as much as, as important as your offensive tackles are and, and edge rushers are in the NFL, I don't think that drafting Evan Neal from Alabama or Aiden Hutchinson from Michigan generates the same excitement as drafting Trevor Lawrence. Even if, if Trevor Lawrence ends up being a bust and Aiden Hutchinson ends up being TJ Watt, uh, you know, it, the fan base, the day of, is still going to rather have the quarterback. It feels, because quarterback's the position, You and now with Joe Burrow is the most recent example, these guys can turn around a franchise. These guys are the heart and soul of the team. The bulk of NFL rosters are very talented, and it really just comes down to quarterback play. Uh, that's oversimplifying it, but that's the, that's the sense from fans, and that's where it feels like, man, if we just get a great quarterback. So uh, you're right. I, there's a lot of enthusiasm kind of sucked out of the draft without that premier quarterback prospect. But here's but the again, question, I won't here's be the surprised. question Yeah,
0: Will people start to fall in love with some of these guys?
1: The quarterbacks, that's what I was about right. to say. Will there I, be, a, I,
0: there'll be a pro day at Cincinnati or Pitt where the guy's throwing, you know, 75 yards and, you know, dimes and suddenly, Will, we have all sorts of hype and the guy will move from nine to, to two or number one every year.
1: Well, we saw it with Daniel Jones moving from second round to top 10 pick to the New York Giants. I wouldn't be shocked to see that with guys like Sam Howell out of North Carolina, Matt Corral at Ole Miss. He's one that uh, it is real intriguing to me. Uh, Amongst others, I know there was the guy that uh transferred from Auburn to Liberty, and at one point they had him going number one, although I'm not even... Okay, I see him now listed 32nd on a mock draft, but any of these guys can creep in. Teams tend to overvalue quarterbacks and, and draft classes that aren't quarterback heavy, in my opinion. It still feels like there will be five quarterbacks taken into the first round, even if there's not five future starting quarterbacks in they the draft. also
0: they also get excited and they talk themselves into excitement it's <laughs> one of the it's one of the fun things to watch to as the hype builds and starts to warp decision making um who's gonna go first uh the giant from alabama or the giant from georgia
1: on um, well are you talking defense
0: well it's the, the giant uh Alabama offensive line, isn't they?
1: Yeah, Evan Neal. I mean, right now I I'm, I'm seeing him projected number 1 on a lot of mock drafts. So, uh but it's there's a lot of variance in these mocks, right? It's not like last year Trevor Lawrence number 1, number 1, number 1. I'll see Evan Neal, I'll see Aiden Hutchinson. I'll see uh even Thibodeau from Oregon, d- defensive end. I think he was the number 1 player in that recruiting class 3 years ago. Um so it's varied a lot, but it, none of them are the the sexy pick that you you want with another you finally get a number one pick and you want Joe Burrow you want Joe Burrow well guess what there's not a Joe Burrow there might be a guy who impacts his team just as much but there's not that brand there's not that feeling of this guy's gonna turn the whole franchise around in this year's draft.
0: Okay, the other NFL story that may or may not be a story over the weekend social media and I forget the name of the, it was one of these Twitter characters, seemed to identify some pretty good evidence that the Washington football team had come to a decision as a new name because they had grabbed a website. And I think it was the, the, the speculation is it is going to be the Washington Commanders. Any quick reaction to that, Doug? Okay, let me just give you guys Doug's body language. It's uh, sort of a little bit of disinterest and a small amount of almost inadvertent head shaking. I don't think he's in love with it.
1: I'm not in love. It never feels right when a team is either initially named or renamed. I remember the Oklahoma City Thunder and thinking, what a joke. That's that's silly. And at this point, you're just so used to it um, that it feels fine. But the Washington Commanders, obviously there's... First off, there's been so much speculation and fans want the Red Hawks or the Red This and uh, the Reds, the Washington football team. um,
0: Have we we had two? COVID blurs my timeline. We've had two two years years of the Washington football team.
1: Uh, The Washington football team, which I personally think they should. I'm with you, Mike. I think they should just stick with it. But they've shown some transparency on their social media uh, as far as the process of picking and why they haven't picked certain popular Fan picks uh, due to legal reasons or whatnot, but Washington Commanders. It feels like if they had an arena league football team, that would be the name.
0: You know what I mean? I do. I get that. I don't. I don't quite understand why I get maybe it. Maybe a G I get League,
1: that. a G League basketball team. Uh, Washington Commanders. It sounds it sounds right for about that level, of, or maybe even a, a minor league baseball team. But for the Washington R words, such a massive brand with so much history. To kind of get this generic rebrand, I'll have to see the logos and the jerseys and all that. But something about it just feels inauthentic.
0: It's a good word for this. I think it's. It, I think that's part of the problem. It, it always feels, and you know, what I wrote on the blog was, it feels like a name that came out of a focus group, right? Which <laughs> is practically what it is. <laughs> yeah, it, it feels like it's a compromise that kind of related to Washington, D.C., kind of has some nice themes but to it.
1: But let me say this. What, at what point are we talking Civil War commanders? Are we talking What war are we talking here? Because that could be pretty offensive based on the same, uh, <laughs> same reasons the names were changed. I don't know if we end up in a war we're not supposed to be in and, and all of a sudden, or, or some commander does something horrible or 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 you know, is there a, a certain commander with ties to the Washington r-words that had all this history? I don't know, but it doesn't seem like the most neutral pick if if that's what they're going for.
0: Well and it'll be I think you're right. It'll be interesting what they do with the logo, right? In terms of yeah. how do they implement it. Is it something so generic that it could be a a commander, like a non military commander, right? Is it just right. Is it but, I mean they're... leadership rather than warrior?
1: Yeah, I I just I don't know. I think the focus group thing is interesting because it seems like in this day and age, most people are pretty anti-war, um, and so naming your team after a, a war figure is interesting. Given that they're going for something that's going to be well received by everyone. Again, I'm not offended by it personally, but I'm I'm just I'm I like doing the exercise of finding a reason for every mascot to be offensive because in this day and age. That exercise is, is no longer an exercise. It's just common practice.
0: Well, I mean, part of this story has always got to be what, uh, look, you can design something by, the, you know, you can come up with the ideal solution as suggested by the focus group, right? The thing that is the, the compromise that checks all the boxes, makes everyone feel like it's sort of okay. Everyone signs off on it. <coughs> but what I don't think they ever do is think through, and I know this has changed a lot, as to what the folks like the old school ESPN guys might do with the name or what is the fan base going to do with the name in terms of making making fun of it and like I don't know with commanders I could see it breaking one way or the other I'm with you we're in full agreement the Washington football team was the name to stick with it was the first of that class of names it was kind of it was innovative. It was unintentionally innovative. It was a blank slate.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know. We'll we'll see. I got to see the uniforms. I'm a big uniform guy uh, watching the Rams this last week, just thinking, man, it, I don't know if they didn't have those gradient, if the numbers weren't gradient, maybe I could really <laughs> feel like I could pull for them, but I just can't do it. Oh,
0: God. I'm glad to have you there. I mean, you know, the, 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 you're bringing something I would never even come back to. The, the, what, the gradient on the numbers? Is that what you just said? Yeah, it's
1: a yellow to white. It looks like sheets where somebody had an accident. It, it, you know, it, it doesn't look like an intimidating football jersey to me. Uh,
0: I, I love this. Is, this is true balance in, in terms of the, the hosting of this. Okay, Doug, last one. NFL is going to dominate the news, NFL is the big story of the moment, but I tend moment. to think maybe the bigger story out there is what's going on with Spotify. Yes. So for folks that don't know, Joe Rogan had built up the, the biggest podcast audience out there, sort of the number one podcast. Rogan's podcast is, is, is an interesting one, right? It's, it's a, usually a two or three hour conversation with folks that he considers interesting. He has all sorts of folks on there, some controversial, some more mainstream. I believe he had uh, this Dr. Malone, who's credited in some circles as the inventor of the MRA, MRNA technology that the vaccines are based on. But he is has some doubts about the vaccine. So Joe Rogan has now been labeled as an anti-vax person. And this this current phrase that I think people are gonna regret using in years to come as a distributor of misinformation. In response to his and, and look, Rogan took his podcast to Spotify a few years ago for I think a hundred hundred million dollar plus deal that yeah. some artists are now jumping off of Spotify or saying they do not want to be associated with a platform that allows this spreading of misinformation. So Doug what are the artists that are doing this?
1: Well, Neil Young's the big one. My first, my initial reaction to this was when I saw the Neil Young thing was this is brilliant. I wish I had done this because Neil Young is becoming one of the most streamed artists on Tidal and on Apple Music and on every alternative. There, I, I opened the Apple Music app earlier today, and the first, the big banner on the front is Neil Young's catalog. They're advertising that we have his music. Um,
0: Doug, Doug were you aware of Neil Young before this? Yes,
1: but not not to the degree and I know there's so many people that are saying who's this guy and listening to his music and and he's profiting from this whole thing. I can guarantee you that much. So I was on his end, I was like bravo, great great move. Uh, you became relevant, you became This is like having a Super Bowl ad for free um for all of your music. And you know, as a music guy, not a big Spotify fan, uh, due to their impact on the industry as a whole, and so always always happy to see them take a hit. Um Joe Rogan, I don't listen to his podcast personally, but every other guy that I know does. I was at the barbershop last week and that's what the barbers were talking about. That's what the guys were talking about. They were talking about how their girlfriends disagree with them, but they actually think he makes a lot of sense. He's kind of like a every man for guys. That's the sense I've gotten just from talking to people. Um, the sense of you know, wanting to censor him or cut off his podcast or or cut off this big deal with him because he's enabling others to use his platform to share their ideas or theories about what's going on in the world is a little bit baffling to me um but nevertheless, not saying I agree with everything that's been said, I haven't heard it, but Joe Rogan is very popular, and it feels like he's gonna win one way or the other because either Spotify backs him. And uh, double down on doubles down on him, or they've got to pay him out somehow, and he can go start his own media empire, go partner with Apple or Tidal or whatever dist- distributor wants to uh, bring on that huge audience that he's uh, uh, you know built over the last couple years.
0: Yeah, that's a it's a good way to look at this. That that in in some ways Rogan is risk free in all this because the the way the world is set up now, Rogan can take his. He can take a show anywhere. Right. He can end the deal with Spotify tomorrow. Go back and do it independently, just distributing via, you know, an advertising model. Right. Uh, alter- I mean, it's 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 a troubling aspect of the culture, but I think it's also sort of fascinating when you know Joni Mitchell and Neil Young and I, I saw it, tw- and I don't know if this is true that maybe Metallica was talking about jumping off a of Spotify. It seems like it's also this very strange instance of people battling out and suddenly these human brands battling things out. I, in a lot of ways, I don't even really get it, Doug, to be honest with you. It's you know, where is this where is this kind of coming from? um, I don't know, I'm, I'm kind of struggling for the words here a little bit. I you know, a lot of folks have made the the statement that it's kind of these sixties. Free speech types now wanting to suppress a form of speech because they view it as as dangerous. I, I guess where it comes down to me is that this is just as we've seen in the realms of sports. Guess what? Maybe music is maybe music and podcasting is now all going to be driven by politics and political <laughs> feelings.
1: It certainly feels that way, and I don't know what kind of stance Spotify is going to end up taking. I know that Apple has kind of. Advertise themselves as the the platform of Neil Young, insinuating that we're a we're, we support these views, um, and the and we also host more music than Spotify because we have the artists that don't you know do what they're doing or, or support what they're allowing to be put out. But I don't know if it becomes a red versus blue thing on <laughs> on streaming platforms or. I mean, we've already had musicians get canceled left and right. I mean, the thing that's baffling to me is the fact that you listen to half the music that's in the top fifty on Spotify, misogyny all over the place. Uh, I mean, all kinds of issues that are, that are real issues in the world that are being promoted or celebrated or or at least mentioned without any you know <laughs> any kind of condescension. And and this is the issue that that gets them is Joe Rogan having someone on his podcast who who's apparently an anti-vaxer. It's this is where things are. At some point, there's gonna somebody's gonna have a platform. I mean, I I think at some point Joe Rogan gets canceled. He either starts his own thing or he joins Trump's social media well, empire let me, he's trying to build or whatever. Let me, but, let me ask
0: you a couple of clarifying questions on this. Yeah. Can Spotify afford to be if Joe Rogan becomes not necessarily that I'm not saying Joe Rogan is a right wing guy, but if Joe Rogan becomes viewed as a right wing right um misinformation you know anti vax stolen election kind of guy you know he joe rogan's had guys like alex jones on so if joe rogan becomes yeah. the this point of attack is that sustainable for spotify even if rogan is their big, biggest talent can they be labeled as that kind of that kind of platform
1: see i feel like it's a lose lose for spotify right now because if they if they tell joe rogan adios, we we can't be a partner with you any longer. That's a huge story. Uh, There's all of a sudden the stories that Spotify doesn't support free speech. uh, Spotify's censoring certain views. And not to mention, Joe Rogan's got this huge audience that likely subscribes to Spotify and uses that app in particular uh, because of his podcast, because it's the most listened to podcast in the world, I believe. And so losing that audience, that's tremendous. Not to mention the people that don't listen to it you know, that don't listen to Joe Rogan that say, you know, I don't know if I want to support um, a business that's censoring people who aren't, you know, it's not, it's not Nazi views being shared on there. It's, it's, it's Joe Rogan. It's a, (laughs) it's a wrestling figure. Here's, here's my next follow-up question to you, Doug. Is Joe
0: Rogan the most influential person in the world right now? Yes. Okay. I thought that was going to be more difficult, but I think it might be true that he has, he is the most powerful public intellectual out there at the moment.
1: I think so. And I think if Joe Rogan wanted to run for president, that he would have a good shot. That's how I felt like that about him. I know my brother's been a bit big advocate again. I've never really listened to him, but, um, and I don't think my brother does a ton, but he listens sometimes. And he says, you know, this is a guy I would love to hear him host a debate between two presidential candidates. I'd love for him to be the moderator. Uh, but nevertheless, I think that Joe Rogan's got all kinds of power. I mean, having a the streaming industry is enormous. Um, and at that point, uh, he's got kind of power over Apple and over Spotify and over, not to mention a lot of, uh, he's a huge influence to a lot of people as, as far as his views and uh, the views that he's allows to be expressed, and I think that's where the concern is um, amongst the, his boycotters, but I also think that that's what puts him... I think he's got the upper hand on Spotify right now, and I, I'm personally curious to see how this whole thing so plays lose, out.
0: lose-lose for Spotify, win-win for Rogan?
1: I think so, and I think you look at a Spotify competitor like Apple Music, I don't know if it's... I think it's a short-term win for them that they've got the Neil Young music, and they're they're viewed as as a little bit more reasonable as to what they allow but i guarantee you if you dig deep into the podcast there's not a ton of censorship that goes into any of these platforms uh joe rogan's is a unique uh podcast because spotify bought the the absolute rights to it to to be the sole distributor i believe i could be wrong on that but i believe that's the case um I, I guarantee you there's a million Fox News podcasts on Apple Podcasts, a million doctors out there saying all kinds of stuff about COVID or whatnot. That's what podcasts... Podcasts have been a kind of a free speech platform. Professors last, saying
0: all sorts of complimentary stuff about Kyrie Irving and Aaron <laughs> Rodgers.
1: Flat Earth. Yeah, guys like that. <laughs> um, yeah, but Podcasts have not been censored hardly at all, which I think is part of why they've risen to risen to popularity risen in popularity so much there's a lot of curse words used in podcasts that are not used on television i think if you listen to part of my take and then go listen to uh, or go watch sports center it's a very different sports consumption experience i think a lot of people prefer the lack of uh <laughs> the lack of control that certain entities have over what what is and isn't said and so becoming the entity that discriminates or that, that cuts people off from what they're going to say. I don't know if that's, that's going to be, a, again, that's dividing your audience. I don't know if that's a good move either. So it's, it's, it's a tough situation for these streaming brands. Absolutely. Okay.
0: But just to why I think this is the story at the moment, I, I think people always tend to, they, they tend to look at the world and they go, well, what the world is like today is what it's going to be like tomorrow that they don't fully appreciate the dynamics and the the chaos that can ensue. If this is lose lose for Spotify and Spotify has to get rid of Joe Rogan and Twitter ban Donald Trump, do we see a new social platform that is built around Trump and Rogan and this becomes the driver of the you know the twenty twenty four presidential election? I don't, I don't think it's far-fetched that you can imagine sort of this. And look, I, I think Rogan was probably more of a liberal guy. Maybe, I mean, I think he, in some ways he's, Rogan has a mix of opinions, some liberal, some conservative, some libertarian. I
1: think his listeners consider him balanced. Yeah. Um, and they view his platform as one that allows multiple sides of a certain issue to share their opinion. That's again, that's, what they say, I haven't done a lot of listening. But
0: this could be the beginning of a sort of a, a a really kind of strange, unanticipated realignment of the the Joe Rogan audience, which we've got to think is made up of. And, and look, I don't mean this with any disrespect whatsoever. It's sort of this meathead philosopher with, yeah, you know, dominates from let's say fifteen to thirty-five young men with Trump bringing this you know, domination of the, the boomer segment, you know, things, things rebalance, people move to different sides, could be the big story moving forward.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I like the, the terms that you use there describing his audience. I will say the audience of Joe Rogan, uh, they will speak to me as if his word is straight from God's mouth. Um, As if everything that man says is completely factual. And so, again, I think that's where I'm reading that um, one artist said that irresponsible people are spreading lies that are costing people their lives. uh, Someone standing in solidarity with Neil Young. That's kind of one perspective. The other perspective is that um, Rogan's allowing guests to share openly different views and views that challenge the common view. and so you know you can certainly understand both sides of this, but um his his audience is very cultish. It's a lot like Trump's in the sense of those people are very loyal and they they hang on his every word, they listen to him every day, they spend their morning with him every day, and you can absolutely count on his audience to to ban or to protest Spotify if Spotify were to boot him and I think that's why Spotify's taking the measures they have to add some kind of advisory warning to say hey this isn't necessarily factual these are people's opinions uh, but not cancel their their big star
0: as always an interesting more an interesting week in the world of sports yeah we can even say rogan's a ufc guy sports sport guy sports in the culture and where this is all going so with that let's let's wrap up as always guys more content at www.fandomanalytics.com